Jimmy's Table. Hey everybody, you're listening to the Jimmy's Table podcast, jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey, where I like to have conversations about faith, life, culture, and sometimes food. So in episode 50 today, I'm going to talk about how we all need a bold faith for scary times. Um, you know, you know what's in the news. <laughs> I don't have to tell you. Coronavirus stuff, again, still circulating. It's driving the stock market crazy. Politicians don't know how to handle it, and some of them seem like they're kind of trying to downplay it uh, out of concern that, you know, this could further negatively impact the economy and thus, you know, make certain politicians getting reelected very difficult. <laughs> they don't want people to panic because people already are starting to, to panic. You know, they're starting to buy massive quantities of toilet paper from Sam's Club and Costco and, and things like that. Um, if I went to the grocery store last night and the hand sanitizer and cleaning product aisle was completely wiped out, um, there's still lots of food and toilet paper to be found in my grocery store. <laughs> uh, but you know, honestly, who knows how long that'll be? Um, there are some areas, especially on the West coast that are being gravely affected by this. And you're finding places with barren shelves and public venues, uh, completely just, you know, barren people are staying inside and kind of quarantining themselves. Lots of companies are starting to ground travel. Uh, the big bad bank that I work for, you know, has grounded all business travel. Um, and you can't get permission to fly anywhere without express written approval of the chief operations officer, uh, and his department. Um, so, you know, airports are starting to be abandoned. People are starting to eat out a little less. Um, I hear sporting events are starting to be uh, poorly attended. I know one of the local minor league hockey teams uh, that I root for, the Charlotte Checkers here in Charlotte. Um, you know, Friday night, they had a game last night. And one of my friends, uh, or my, one of my wife's friends went to the game, and it was probably half the attendance that is normally there. You know, there's usually, I think, about 7,000 people there. And just from the photo that I saw of the event, I bet there weren't even two or 3,000 people there. Uh, which could be cool because next week I have tickets for a hockey game, so I might get a free upgrade for my ticket. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so, you know, lots of stuff going on. Uh, people are dying. This virus is spreading. Containment seems difficult. And, uh, you know, it's not quite sure what's going to happen. So there's, there's a lot to be reasonably concerned about. I think maybe people are still overreacting uh, to everything, and I think some people are hitting the panic button a little too soon. Um, but, you know, when you hear about in the news that people are dying, and it's the only thing that people are pretty much talking about these days, I can understand why uh, a lot of people are starting to, to panic. Because um, nobody wants to get some mysterious virus and die from it, especially if they're on the older side or if they have some underlying you know, health concerns. Um, I know, even though I'm in my mid-30s, you know, I had a broken leg and blood clot just a couple months ago. Um, so, you know, I'm slightly concerned that, uh, you know, being on blood medication right now to deal with the blood clot from, as a result of breaking my leg, um, you know, I'm concerned that, hey, maybe this virus could negatively impact me in a way that I would not want to be impacted should I get the virus. Um, so... That's kind of the context and situation of what we're living in now. I don't really have to tell you uh, much more. 
But what I do want to tell you today is about how you and I, during these scary times, these times of darkness, these times of concern, that you and I need to live boldly and to do so with faith. Uh, the prophet Habakkuk, which was quoted often by the Apostle Paul, reminded us that the just shall live by faith. And I believe that is more than just, you know, a creedal confession by which we mentally assent to a certain proposition about Jesus Christ being crucified and risen again. That's uh, not just checking a box and saying, well, yeah, I believe that Jesus died, and yeah, I believe um, that he rose again, and I believe that Jesus is coming back one day. Yeah, I mean, you can believe that but uh, in, in some sort of mental ascent sort of way. But the, the question is, does that belief you know, get into your heart, and does that belief work out its way in this world through your practical actions? Um, because James chapter 2, verse 26 tells us that faith without works is dead. So it doesn't matter what you believe, if that belief doesn't uh, manifest into a reality, a practical reality in your life by which you live differently than if you did not have that belief, then, you know, then your belief, your faith is a dead thing, according to the Apostle James. Um, and it's essentially good for nothing. Well, in scary times like this, in times in which there's heightened concerns, I believe that we need a faith, a faith that's so etched into our heart and our minds that it's not just a checkbox that we mark and say, yeah, I objectively believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he was crucified and that God raised him from the dead. But, you know, you actually really believe that Jesus Christ was crucified, that he's Lord and that he was raised from the dead. And to do so in such a way that it, you know, manifests itself in your life. Uh, you know, the Jesus on the inside should get out every now and then, folks. <laughs> um, you know, there, there should be a reality to these things. If, if you have belief, real sincere belief, then you should be a true believer. And it should show up in your daily life and in the way you walk in this world. The way you order your steps. The way... You get up in the morning and how you approach your day. Um, faith without works is dead. Our faith ultimately needs to be a faith that works. And our beliefs ought to be the driving force behind very decisive action. Faith isn't just being optimistic about things and having you know, a mental assent about things. But faith is also something that is able to acknowledge the dark times that we live in. It doesn't just throw caution to the wind and say, oh, I'll be okay. You know, no. Faith realizes that, hey, we live in dark and perilous times. We face trials and tribulations, death, disease, war, and all that scary stuff. Um, economic uncertainty, all those sort of things. But, you know, faith is willing to say that even though we live in dark times, in which the seas roar and the skies rumble, um, you know, that we're able to still take the next step forward. Kind of like when Jesus, or when Peter saw Jesus walking on the water, uh, Peter was in the boat and he said, Lord, if that's you, let me come out to you. And Peter was able to step out of the boat onto the troubled waters and walk towards Jesus. We need a faith that if we believe Jesus is who Jesus is, you know, and that God's ultimately got our backs, and that you know God's ultimately watching out for us. That we could be so bold as Peter was, so as to step out of the boat into the waters and walk towards Jesus. We need that 
sort of faith, a faith that is willing to take the next step forward and not a faith that is just hunkered down in a boat somewhere. Uh, we need a boldness. Um, and I believe that if we believe <laughs> that Jesus Christ has truly been raised from the dead, never to die again, then death doesn't have the final answer. Sickness doesn't have the final answer. Economic troubles don't have the final answer. The president doesn't have the final answer. Jesus Christ ultimately has the final answer. And all things are ultimately in his hands. And so believing such things, we ought to have a different mindset when it comes to the crises that shake this world. The Bible says everything that can be shaken will be shaken. So knowing these things, we should not be so disturbed. As I talked about in my last podcast, if you want to check it out, episode 49, um, you know, we kind of need to have an apocalyptic mindset about things anyway. We need to believe that Babylon the Great has fallen, uh, is falling and will fall, <laughs> and not ultimately trust in things that are temporal, things that you know, are just like shifting sand passing through our fingertips. Um, but we need to believe in the things that are eternal, the things that will last forever, um, the things that moths will not eat, thieves will not destroy and steal, um, and will ultimately endure the fires and trials and tribulations of this life. Uh, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, according to the book of Hebrews. Um, and we should ultimately live different lives. Because if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is truly raised from the dead, that he overcame death and he lives forever, then your life can no longer be the same. So as Christians, we ought to have a very different mindset than, uh, you know, even our pagan neighbors. And our pagan neighbors may even have a good mindset <laughs> during these times because of the things they believe. Um, you know, I know some people who don't believe what I believe regarding Jesus, um, but still have, you know, generally a good approach on life. Um, you know, God's got some natural grace that he's spreading around to everybody, including them. Uh, so, you know, let's, you know, let's be at least as good as some of our pagan neighbors, folks. <laughs> you know, let's be at least as good as the people who don't believe that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. Um, and if we can, uh, let's, let's excel even in there, in that regard. Um, because we ultimately believe that uh, dead man is alive, that he lives forevermore. If that doesn't shape the way we approach our life, I don't know what will. So let us be bold. Let us, let us boldly go out into this world and deal with these viruses and these concerns and these economic woes and whatever troubles may or may not be facing this world at the end of the day. So having said that, having given my hoorah speech, rah-rah-rah, uh, hope you find some inspiration in that, I want to turn to some practical application. Um, I want to talk about a couple things that we can do and how we can have a living faith, a faith that works, a faith that's practical, and how we can respond uh, to this crisis in these troubling times. While I you know, again, don't believe this coronavirus thing is ultimately going to be as a big event as some people are concerned. I could be wrong in my assessment on that. Um, and we might need to have a bolder faith 
uh, than perhaps you and I were prepared to have before this virus uh, went into effect. Um, some bad stuff may go down, and I think we need to be equipped in our minds and our hearts for those times. Uh, so first I've talked about belief, but let me now talk about um, you know some pragmatic works stuff, uh, things that we can do in order to combat this issue. First, don't be afraid. That's not to say you can't be concerned. That's not to say you can't be informed. That's not to say you need to be some sort of ostrich that puts its head in the sand and ignores the troubles that are going around. Um, you know, such people, I, I just don't have any time for that. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If you truly believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, the worst possible thing that could happen to you would be that you would die. And, uh, you know, while I don't want to die, I don't think you want to either. At the end of the day, if you believe that you're going to be raised from the dead and that Jesus Christ is going to come back and we're going to inhabit a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, in which sickness and death have disappeared and no longer reign, um, then I don't know what we truly have uh, to be afraid of. You know, maybe we have to be afraid of fear itself, just as uh, it's often said. <laughs> and, you know, we do have to be concerned about getting hurt and pain and suffering. Uh, those are real things. Those are things that, you know, can get ugly and make life just stink real bad. Um, but for all that, we still need to be bold. Um, and we need to not be afraid. Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's all ultimately in his hands anyway. So since we can't do anything about it, uh, <laughs> you know, as far as, well, I mean, we can do things about it, but, you know, it really is ultimately out of our control. It's ultimately in the hands of Jesus. Even if we end up having to be the hands and feet of Jesus to uh, other people, um, you know, we're, we're not sovereign over this world uh, like he is. So let us not be afraid. Let us live in submission to Christ, and, uh, you know, let us be bold. Point number two, don't buy into or spread conspiracy theories or spread false information. Only share what you know to be factually true. So all y'all who are freaking out and sharing all sorts of conspiracy theories out there, you know, you know who you are and you know what you're sharing. Just because it's in a meme or on some sort of blog on Facebook or whatever or something you saw on a YouTube video or heard on a podcast doesn't mean it's true. If you haven't gone and tried to verify factually the information, you know, and actual data on things, be very weary of sharing and repeating ideas with other people. Unless you've truly verified that it's true. Not just like, oh man, I feel like this could be true. Because at the end of the day, if you're buying into conspiracy theories and sharing conspiracy theories and you're sharing misinformation, at the end of the day, that kind of makes you a liar, doesn't it? If you're purporting a reality that does not exist, then you're not sharing the truth. And that makes you a liar. So, don't share misinformation. Do your homework, folks. 
I know it makes you feel good to share something on Twitter, something on Facebook, something on YouTube, something on a podcast. It makes you feel good. You feel like you're helping somebody. And you get a little tingly feel of like some self-importance, a little self-righteousness. I know, I know. It's addicting. It can be fun. (laughs) But don't buy into or spread conspiracy theories. Don't spread misinformation. Because at the end of the day, why don't you want to do that? Well, one, we're... If we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and, you know, we should be individuals who speak truth and speak truth and love, well, and there's no loving thing in spreading misinformation and lies. And if we're a people of the truth, we shouldn't spread things that we don't know to be true. We should only share those things which we know are true. Um, so don't share anything unless you verified it, folks. Do your homework. Don't be lazy. I know the fear can make it easy to buy into the panic. And the panic can make it easy to say, well, I heard or so-and-so said. Like, no, no, no. Don't do that. Point number three. Take reasonable precautions. We don't need to build doomsday bunkers, folks. But... If we do believe that bad times are ahead, we should take reasonable precautions and make practical preparations. Only a cynic, only a cold-hearted cynic, you know, who is calloused over in their spirit would just be like, nah, you know, this is a bunch of baloney. You know, if you truly believe this, don't, don't, don't be skeptical. That falls into the conspiracy thing. <laughs> you know, do your homework. And if you believe that things are, you know, actually looking bad and you hear things are being reported as bad and you hear that people are dying, take reasonable precautions. But you don't have to build a doomsday bunker, folks. You don't have to prepare to defend yourself from the government who's going to quarantine you, lock you down, and drag you away. Although that is possible. <laughs> it has somewhat happened in China. Uh, I did see video of, you know, Chinese getting snatched off the streets and thrown into paddy wagons and disappeared. Um, thankfully, we don't live in China, um, or at least I don't live in China. I don't know about you, but um, I'm guessing if you're hearing this, you probably don't live in China because I don't think this podcast can get a broadcast there. But anyway, so, but if we believe bad times are ahead, we should take reasonable precautions and make practical, practical preparations like Joseph did in the book of Genesis, we should prepare not only for our well-being, but that also of our neighbors. So if uh, you hear that they say you may have to be quarantined a possible 14 days, if you have the means to do so, I would you know, encourage you. Go get a couple days of extra food for your pantry um, and your refrigerator. Uh, And you might kind of scoff at that idea, but you know, you already have a refrigerator and pantry anyway, right? Like you're not literally going out and buying every meal at a, every time you want to eat from the grocery store, you don't be like, okay, well I want breakfast. So I have to, you know, go to the grocery store and get breakfast before I eat breakfast. And now, now it's time for lunch. So I have to go to lunch somewhere and get lunch stuff and make lunch and same with dinner. No, you you normally already probably have three or four days worth of groceries at least in your house, in your pantry, in your fridge. Um, you may even have a little bit longer. I know me personally, I have like a, about a month's worth of meat 
out in my freezer in the garage that I like to smoke. So I always have some ribs and, uh, you know, a pork butt or something that I can throw in the smoker anytime somebody might decide to drop by. Uh, So, you know, if you do things like that, just to say, hey, you know, I'm going to double my groceries this week when I go to the grocery store. Uh, I'm going to get a couple extra cans of soup, a couple extra cans of chili, some mac and cheese, uh, maybe some bread that I can toss into the freezer, maybe a couple of frozen pizzas, you know, things like that. Uh, just make some practical preparations. And while you're at it, look around you. Don't just think about you, boo. <laughs> you know, don't just think about yourself. Don't just be selfish. But uh, if you know, if you know people around you who are in need, um, don't close your hearts to them. Think about them as well. If you know some person that is struggling financially and you know they live on thin times, family, friends, co-workers, uh, you know, folks that you work with, um, folks that live next door to you, if you know such people, see if you can't help them out because chances are if they live paycheck to paycheck and, you know, there's a lot of people in this country who live paycheck to paycheck who can't afford more than what they need to live on any given week or between paychecks, um, you know, at the end of the day, ask if you can't help them out somehow. Or just, you know, don't even ask. Just like say, hey, get an extra paper bag or two at the grocery store and fill it up with some groceries and just drop it on their front porch. Um, make some practical preparations just like Joseph did. Not only for yourself, but just as when Joseph was governor of Egypt uh, and he knew famine was coming. But he knew before the famine was coming, some years of plenty were laid up. So Joseph, you know, made some practical preparations knowing that good times were ahead and that bad times would follow after that. So he, you know, started storing some grain in some silos uh, so that they could endure the trials. So if you're going to possibly be in a situation where you or your friends or your family or your neighbors or your coworkers or uh, even yourself are possibly going to be quarantined for a week or two by order of the government, <laughs> you know, um, make some practical preparations. Hopefully it's not a huge deal for you. I know some of you listen to this podcast, you have uh, very tight budgets. Um, but if uh, you have the means, you know, help somebody. What good, the Apostle James says, does it to have faith? What good is that if you don't also have the works to back it up? Don't just simply say, well, I pray, brother, that you know the Lord will take care of you during these hard times. Well, no, guess what? According to James... <laughs> You can't just tell somebody, go warm, be filled, have peace. No, you, you are the opportunity to be that person's warmth, to fill that person, and to give them peace. So, so be that. Next point, point four. Love courageously and creatively. So what are you going to do if you find yourself to be a nurse or doctor living in a hospital for a while? Treating patients on the front line of the virus outbreak, should there be one. Are you just going to run home? Or, like I said earlier, don't be afraid. What's the worst thing that could happen to you? The worst thing that could happen to you is you die and, and you go into the presence of the Lord and you await your resurrection one day. So, be bold and courageous for those who maybe don't have the same hope that you do in Jesus. You know? Treat those individuals who don't have that hope because they're going to be afraid and they're going to be looking to somebody 
with courage overflowing in their heart. Be that courageous individual if you can, if you're in the, 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 the realm of being able to do so. Or what do you do if your neighbor, next door neighbor, is suddenly quarantined and he didn't prepare? Or what do you do if your church is unable to gather on Sunday mornings? What happens if you have a job that is essential to society? Like let's say you work at the power plant or you work at the, the water facility. You know, What do you do? Well, all I would encourage you to do in those situations, and you have to make your best judgment at the end of the day, Nobody can tell you exactly what to do in these scenarios, you know. But whatever the case is, love courageously, but also love creatively. You know, don't just throw caution to the wind and go in as a doctor, (laughs) you know, without putting some rubber gloves and a face mask on, you know. Put your rubber gloves and your face mask on if you're going to be treating sick people. Um, But... uh, Figure out also ways to do it creatively. Don't take unnecessary risk. Uh, but you know, if like like I said, if you're if you if your neighbor suddenly quarantined and he can't get out of the house, and you know, how's he going to eat? He's probably going to run out of food in a couple of days if he wasn't prepared and he didn't do grocery shopping recently. Um, so maybe that'll be an opportunity for you to just you know leave some groceries on his front porch. I can remember a time. When I was in my mid-20s and I got really sick, I came down with a bad case of the flu. Um, and, you know, I couldn't go out. Like, I was delirious with fever. I was sick. I was throwing up. I, I had it all, folks. I was exploding. <laughs> to say the least, I was exploding. Um, and my sister, out of concern that... Uh, I didn't have much to take care of myself with, and I, you know, admitted I, I only had a couple of days worth of food in the house. She very graciously just knocked on my door and left a bag full of groceries on my apartment steps, uh, and then she ran away. <laughs> I looked down, and all of a sudden, I looked down my apartment steps, and suddenly my sister was getting into her car and waving. So, you know, be creative with your approach, folks. Don't take more risk than is necessary. Uh, you don't have to sit there and knock on the door and say, hey, can I come in and put these groceries up in your cupboard and cook you dinner? Yeah, you may not want to do that if somebody has a highly contagious disease and virus um, from which they're suffering. But that doesn't mean you can't love create courageously just the same. You just may have to do so a little creatively. And if you have an essential job that provides electricity and water to society, you know, if you're a police officer or a first responder or, or you know, an important technology person, perhaps, that, you know, makes the world go round because technology is so important these days. Um, You know, you may have to figure out creative approaches um, to working in safety um, and ultimately dealing with these situations. But do so out of love and boldness and do so courageously, folks. Have some courage. Uh, I don't know what your job is. I don't know what your occupation is. Um, and I don't know what role you play in our society, but look at this as an opportunity at the end of the day, not to hunker down and be afraid, uh, but to take a stand and be bold, to be bold for Jesus, to be the hands and feet of Christ in this world, um, to love on others just as Jesus would love, you know, be that for others, but at the same time, don't be stupid, (laughs) don't be stupid. Stupid.
Don't go licking doorknobs and elevator buttons just to prove how courageous and bold you are for Jesus. <laughs> you know, put on your gloves, put on your face mask if you have to. Wash your hands thoroughly. Take practical preparations. Um, but be bold, courageous, and act and walk in the ways of love because you serve a living Savior um, who calls you to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. So I put this question out there on Twitter and Facebook and got some responses in preparation for this podcast. I put that out there. Faith without works is dead. If the coronavirus becomes a serious life-threatening issue for the population at large, what ways could we boldly express our faith? And I got some pretty good feedback, especially from uh, you folks on Twitter. And I just love this one particular story that somebody shared of a time in their life in which they were actually in such a situation. Uh, Andrew, I believe his last name is Novell, uh, told this story on Twitter, and i just love to share this with you. Andrew wrote, This question reminds me of when Hurricane Irma came through the west coast of Florida in 2017. We lived in Clearwater at the time, and Irma was a Category 5, not coming our way. But when she turned towards us and dropped to a, a Category 1, so that evacuation wasn't that high in non-Flozo neighborhoods like ours, However, my household prepared anyway with water, food, extra supplies, and we boarded up our windows. Not many on our street, however, boarded up. And suddenly Irma was a Category 4 and the neighborhood was in full-blown panic. The panic was off the charts. And it was too late for boards as the stores were already sold out. So, Andrew says, we went and spent a whole day taking down the wood fence panels in his, on his property, and he used those wood panels from his fence <laughs> to board up his neighbor's windows. Man, I love that. That's a good story. People, he says, were in shock that we would do that. He says, but our perspective was different because of our faith. The only other Christian on our street also helped. And by the end of the day, before the storm was expected to come, we stood in the middle of our street with 20 people holding hands and praying for our neighbors. We had agnostics, Hindus, Catholics, and a couple of us evangelicals. Our friend preached the gospel. He said there were tears. And we were all hunkered down for the next 24 hours as they rode out the storm. He says, thankfully, before Irma hit, she dropped down to Category 2 and then 1 before leaving us. I took the next two weeks off from work and spent every waking minute cutting neighbors' trees, clearing their lots, and removing their window boards. Man, that's a great story, Andrew. Thank you for uh, sharing that with, with me. I'm, I'm thankful. I put, I put a, thing, a disclaimer out there, folks, that I could possibly use some of these stories. So, you know, thank you, Andrew, <laughs> for being bold and sharing the story. I love this. You know, Hurricane Irma 2017, I think we all remember that just a couple of years ago, how it devastated Florida. What an awesome story that, you know, Andrew was already being prepared. And then when he realized that his neighbors had not made the same preparations that he had, he even went so radical as to, it sounds like, cut down his fence <laughs> to help board up his neighbors' homes. I love that. That's awesome. That is truly awesome. And then he used that as an opportunity to, to pray with his neighbors and to spread the gospel. And I can't think, but help but think how in the coming days, weeks, months, maybe even years, um, if this coronavirus thing continues to spread throughout our country and becomes a true global 
pandemic or epidemic or whatever the correct term is there. You know, if this thing really gets serious and large percentage of the population, a couple percent of the population starts to die and this thing becomes like the Spanish flu from 100 years ago, um, you know, I like this approach. I, and I can't help but think how many times you and I will have the opportunities in the coming days, weeks, months, and years um, should this virus spread to live out Andrew Novell's story um, and to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a very real and practical way. To not give in to the fear, but to be concerned enough to do something about what's going on. To be a stable individual uh, in the midst of a battered storm. Another individual, Andy Carter, on Twitter wrote, let other people buy toilet paper or give away those rolls to other. Andy says that uh, Australia is in a toilet paper crisis at the moment. I'm not sure if Andy lives in Australia. Um, but you know, I know here in America that there's been a lot of run on toilet paper at Costco and places like that, that it's just flying off the shelves and people are buying it. I don't quite know why people are just buying lots of toilet paper. I mean, I believe in practical preparation, but part of me is like, you know, what do you think you're going to be doing that you need that much toilet paper? <laughs> you know, um, like, man, you're going to, I'll let, I'll let your imagination run wild on that, folks. I, I won't repeat it. You may be eating breakfast or lunch or dinner or something listening to this podcast. So I won't gross you out with what I think people think is going to be happening with that. But, <laughs> you know, I think that's a very good thing. Don't, I, I, my takeaway from Andy's uh, suggestion would be, at the end of the day, don't be a hoarder. Make practical preparations, yes, but don't be a hoarder, folks. Let other people have an opportunity to buy some Purell, to buy some toilet paper, to buy some canned foods at the grocery store. You know, you don't have to have it all. Just make sure you, you know, you have a couple weeks supply of stuff if necessary. Um, and uh, keep an eye out for your neighbors. If you do buy more than what you and your family need, and uh, that sort of thing, you know, buy with an eye of buying for your neighbors to help others out. Another Twitter follower said, her name, I believe it's Ashley. Ashley Davis said, meeting specific needs, being calm and positive in the face of fear. It's reassuring to others. Bring food to houses affected, even if we don't go inside emailing, texting, and phone calls to encourage other people and to pray for others. I like this part, she said. Facebook live reading stories for kids. I think that's awesome. Like, you know, my wife, she's a librarian. We have, we don't have any kids yet, but we have a house full of children's books. Um, she has like pretty much every Dr. Seuss book ever written. Um, and I like that idea. Like, if we're all, if we get to the point where we're, all hunkered down, or we know a lot of people are hunkered down, um, you know, we should do creative things like that. We should Facebook live read stories for kids uh, during those times. Um, I think that could be fun. You know, I think it would also bring calmness and reassurance um, as you see and interact with other people possibly online. If we can't interact with uh, people in person because of fears of cross-contamination and getting the disease ourselves or the virus ourselves, you know, we could ultimately still be looking out for one another and have some sort of interaction with one another online. And uh, how cool would it be uh, to sit there and Facebook live stream 
read something like Cat in the Hat or, you know, whatever other children's book. I think that would be really cool, especially since, you know, mom and dad might be a little panicked uh, if, they're, if we're all hunkered down in quarantine. Um, and the kids may get a little bit of that fear in them. And I know my wife was telling me actually a story the other day of how a kid came up to her at the library at the school she works at, kid in first grade, and asked, Mrs. Humphrey, do you have any books on the coronavirus? And I can't help but think, man, if this first grader was asking about books on the coronavirus, you know, there's a bit of fear already kind of running wild in that household. Um, and you, you know, there are going to be kids out there whose parents aren't mentally prepared to deal with these things, who aren't emotionally prepared for these things, who don't have the faith to get them through troubled times. So if you can be the stability that somebody else needs um, during these troubled times and a live Facebook reading of a story for a kid, you know, that could go a long way for that kid. And uh, one other, um, you know, suggestion somebody wrote was uh, something I think that would be very practical for the church. Jim Lerator, I believe is how you say his name, said that, uh, you know, We have to consider how older folks may be afflicted by this virus, especially since they seem to be at at risk at a higher level. Um, And we may not be able to gather in massive assemblies for a while, Um, but uh, we should consider how as a church that we could still gather uh, electronically. You know, somebody else suggested that as well. Urban Protest said, you can gather together online in group and video chats um, without, you know, spreading the flu to, to people. And uh, somebody else had the same suggestion. Just Amy said, I will share my resources with others and make sure people have food and other necessary things. Plus, honestly, we can text, video chat, and encourage one another. We can pray with people. Um, so, you know, I like these suggestions, folks. Thanks for interacting with me online about that. I, if, if you want to follow me on Twitter and Facebook and, you know, Share your own ideas, or if you want to email me, jimmy at jimmystable.com. I think uh, that would be a great way. If you have some other creative ideas, I will definitely pass them down the line to folks, um, you know, just in case things do get out of control and bad. So, everybody, this has been episode 50 Bold Faith for Scary Times. I just want to summarize real quick. So, outside of the practical considerations that we just talked about, at the end of the day, We need faith for these dark times. And not just the boring, creedal, dry, confessional, objective sort of confessions that we make. These checkbox approaches to faith that we make. Um, Rather, we need men and women of faith who are willing to undertake bold, decisive actions in dark times. People who are willing to love God so much as to love their neighbors. Um and to, to step out onto the troubled waters and to walk towards Jesus uh, no matter what boat they find themselves. And in the context of the coronavirus, this might mean risking exposure in order to help others. Um, but at the end of the day, we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. We believe that he was crucified for our sins. We believe that God raised him from the dead and that he's been alive for the past 2,000 years, and that he's still alive today. So believing these things, having these things 
not only mentally something that we believe, but something that registers uh, a pulse in our heart. You know, let us have the the bold and courageous faith necessary. Let us do just as Habakkuk said, that the just shall live by faith. Live by faith, folks. And don't let your faith be a faith that's dead. Let it work. Let it work and do beautiful things in a world in which people don't see the beauty, in which people see nothing but the fear, in which people see nothing but the death, the disease, the affliction, the trials, the tribulations. Have a positive attitude. Be calm. Act in love. Don't be afraid. But be bold. And be bold for the sake of Jesus Christ. Everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, episode 50, Bold Faith for Scary Times. Jimmy at jimmystable.com. You can subscribe to the podcast jimmystable.com. Uh, I'm on iTunes or Apple. I'm sorry, not iTunes. Uh, Apple, <laughs> Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and all the other fun places. Um, you know, Check me out, jimmystable.com, if you haven't already, where I will have uh, some show notes um, as well as ways for you to follow this podcast. Take care, everybody. Look forward to talking to you next week. Um, be bold. Be courageous. Don't be afraid. Walk in the ways of love and walk as if Jesus Christ is actually alive because I believe he is. Air smudge.